This broadcast was brought to you by these two schmucks who are trying their best. This isn't an advert. We just don't know how to do introductions. So, welcome back, Ray. Uh, I guess we're here for another week of topics that we took about, what is it, 45 minutes to decide? And so, <laughs> I mean, it, it took us, it took us a, a hot minute to figure out what we even really want to talk about. I mean, we were spitballing, and half the time it's, I have no idea what that topic's about, a.k.a. me. And the other half is, okay, I really want to talk about this because I just got fired up today about it. So. Today's topic, everybody, is how schools, primarily kind of middle school, high school, early college, really doesn't prepare you for the real life. My name is Eli. I also have my loyal co-host, Gray, with me, our lovely guest, Calvin, Hello. and our, our good friend, Taylor. Hi. So, so, so what, what brought this on? That you, what, what fired you up that you, this is what you want to talk about? Hatred. And vengeance. It's, it's something where I had my younger cousin come in today. He was just going over to Green Bay, but he wanted to uh, he wanted to take a tour around my apartment since I just recently moved and started a new job. And so as he was getting ready to leave, he kind of like pulled me aside and he's like, Hey, Eli, I, I know you're coming over to the cabin next week to just kind of visit, spend some time with the family. And I think I, I honestly can't remember because... I only see him still as like a toddler. I've, I, it's hard to see him kind of as a teenager who just got his license and starting to drive and thinking about college. But he looked at me and he goes, "I'm kind of thinking of becoming an engineer as well. So would you give me some some like tips and advice, kind of like what I should expect going into this, or what's something that you really should have known before you went into college?" And so I was kind of thinking about it. As well as having to sign up for all the benefits through work and starting to realize that, oh, with my apartment, I now have to pay rental fees and uh, internet, electricity. I mean, I just spent a whole bunch of money furnishing this apartment. And so overall, I was reflecting on it a little bit more. And the biggest thing that I could remember was that whole discussion that teachers were giving you saying, oh, well... Th this will help you for college, or this will help you for your future. And I mean, some of the topics that they taught, like maybe writing, perhaps, like learning how to write an essay, write a, write a paper, write a letter, those are actually important because obviously you want to be cohesive and make it sound like you know what you're talking about. But I never really felt truly prepared for college. I never truly felt prepared for the real world. And so that's really what I want to talk about. Okay, that's fair. So, uh, you know, uh, y'all y'all know that I've made you know mistakes going from high school to college, and it, it's put me in my situation now. And so, I kind of want to bring up uh, a little bit of my background for our listeners, uh, however many we have or may have. But so, when I was in high school, I was stupid. You know, you know, I was the smart kid. Oh, you're, he's one of the smartest kids in the class. You know, if he applied himself a little bit more, he'd go far, but you know, he's a genius. So whatever. And it was, so you go into college even, and they, no matter, like it really slaps you. And then, you know, I made my mistakes and flunked like, Oh, I, I didn't necessarily flunk out. I, 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 I was in good standing technically, but it, 
when when you're dropped into life, it, it's all of a sudden like what Eli said is you have to pay rent, you have to pay electricity, you have to do this, you have to immediately find a job. Like it's not I've got time, it's you gotta have it now. And yeah. high school does not prepare you for that crap at all. And I mean, for for God's sake, I think in high school, may have been junior high, I had one day for one class teach you how to write a check. And that was it. Like, they didn't even, and, and I mean, yeah, sure, checks are pretty outdated, but like, I mean, I know of plenty of landlords who only, only take checks, cash, or um, money orders. And... I mean, I know how to write a check. I mean, I, I, I had to kind of re-Google how to do it. I mean, as embarrassing as that seems to be, but I mean, I don't know anybody else who really knows how to write a check that's so, my age. So actually, I learned how to write a check in middle school. And the only and, and actually and funnily enough, I learned it in an English class. And the only reason I learned how to write a check is because the teacher I had one gave everybody a quote unquote job. Um, and, and so, you know, and it was, and I, I don't, I, you know, I don't know, I don't remember why, but she gave every, you know, but we all like drew, drew from a hat, you know, what our job was going to be. And my job was a banker. So I had to write the paychecks for everybody in the class. <laughs> uh, see, so we that, did something so similar. That is, the, that is the only reason I know how to write a check, how to, how to write a deposit slip, how to write, you know, that's the only reason I know how to do any of this because of this. Of this one little side project in like seventh grade English. See, that's weird to me because I learned how to write a check um, like the summer before high school, but it was job related. Yeah, see, you, you, you got slapped. Yeah, you had to learn it quick. Like, it, it yeah. wasn't that something that was taught, it's something that you had to self learn. See, I, I remember now, like, Calvin kind of brought the redux, he kind of shook the dust off of parts of the brain that I haven't really accessed in a long time. That's how I remember we did checks, because we had to write checks to pay. We did each had a job, and then we, we, we didn't draw from a hat, but we picked our ideal job. And it was, it wasn't like people are like CEO company and they're like, no, 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 don't do that stuff where you have lots of money. You're never going to start as a CEO of anything. So do like, you know, entry level or like intermediate. And, and, uh, it was, I think I did like computer programmer and like the average salary was like, I don't know, $65,000 then or whatever, or 80,000. And then they're like, you're going to budget your monthly and your weekly. And then like, we're don't, we don't do your taxes because that, that just gets complicated. And then we have to do brackets. And then, you know, blah, 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 blah. You aren't ready for that. And so we had to write checks and do all this stuff. And we had to have like a, like an actual, we actually had to think, had to have a budget sheet uh, with Excel that did stuff. And like, we had to do the formulas for it. But beyond that, it was like one or two, maybe three days a week we spent on it. But like, we only wrote checks for like one day. And it was, um, I wish they did that more. Um, another thing I want to touch on is, um, uh, I know, uh, Taylor, you might remember this. You remember Miss, oh gosh, eighth grade science teacher in middle school. We had, uh, what was her name? Uh, it wasn't Cormac, was it? That was high school. That was high school. Uh, shoot. Um, anyway. She was chill, though. Yeah, she was pretty chill until you ticked her off and she'd, she'd, she'd murder you in your face. Anyway, so we did sex ed for maybe two weeks. 
Oh, I, I remember two classes specifically. I think it, it, it was something like that. Yeah, it was. It was very. I, I'm kind of converting high school into college. Yeah, they, yeah. So it was. We had three hours possibly of like three actual hours of sexual ed instruction, and most of that consisted of tons of giggling. And, and I cups. mean, and what? And cups. Yeah, and it's. It didn't prepare. I know it didn't. I know it wasn't taught enough because there were. You know, I don't want to name names, but a lot of people screwed up. Let's just or they 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 screwed up because they screwed. Um, so so you only did. And I mean, some of them are, some of them, you know, made it out okay because it was like, you know, this, the, the American dream home. It was like the man was the breadwinner. One of them worked on an oil rig. Uh, you remember, uh, but I, it wasn't this guy who did it, but you remember there was two Austins and there was one brown headed one and one blonde one. You remember them? I remember the blonde one specifically. Okay. So the brown headed one. I think in high school he was working on an oil rig and made something like three thousand dollars every two weeks. Oh, good for him. And I don't think he—I think he made it out okay. But I know, like a lot of our friends, aside from Zach, I don't—I don't know anybody who's. I mean, even as successful as me, like I'm—I'm I'm, I'm starting to move up in the ladder on without a degree. Like I—I I, I got Caltech nipping at my heels right now, trying to get get me in. And, uh, which I'm really interested in, but I mean, like, um, uh, who can I think of? I can think of a couple I mean, of people who made it out. I'm living my dream. I have my own apartment. I'm doing commissions for money. It's not stable, but you know, right now it's good. Yeah. Uh, who's, who's a good example of this? Who I feel like who is smart but didn't make it out, I, and I don't want to. That was on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> I, I, he he was a he was in our friend group, uh, Derek. Uh, bless his heart. He 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 was the kind of guy who graduated high school is like I'm going to take over the family business, and he settled with the first girl he dated. Like actively, that I think the first serious relationship he settled. I have no idea how that's going now. Still together. They're still together. Yeah, but I know a lot of people who are still together and they hate each other. Oh, I don't. I don't keep up that much with them. And and you know they should teach that too. Is like you know people act like there's the there's the only one. There's ever only going to be one. And you know that may be true, but there's going to be at least another dozen that are pretty good. Like they're they're not perfect, and people look for like the fitting puzzle piece, and it's like that's not how people work. You just don't mesh perfectly. There, there's, there's, you, you might get real close. You might get, um, 
you, you might get there, but like, there's going to be something you're going to find that you really don't like about that person one day, and you're either going to get over it or you're not. Learning I to mean, compromise would be a big thing in school in general. Yeah. I mean, the, the I know there's a comedian, Tommy Jonigan, who makes a bit of basically saying, just because you found the one doesn't mean that's the only one, because there's so many people in the world. Your one could be one of the ones. And so just because that current person you're with doesn't mean that that's the only person that's going to be out there for you. There's going to be so many other people who are willing to be a part of your life and come and go. And I mean, that's just how life is because sure. Some people mate, mate for life. I was saying it in terms of like the animal kingdom, but some people okay, are Mr. in relationships. <laughs> some people are in a relationship from start to finish. And I mean, that's great. Good for them. But that doesn't mean that it, it should be looked down upon with like, Oh, we've separated after a few years or we just kind of drifted apart. And I mean, that is something that, again, school doesn't really teach you because as I noticed as kind of growing up as a city kid, and I mean, we had, we had a rough high school, it was so interesting kind of watching that dynamic change from middle school to high school. We had one girl who got pregnant freshman year of high school, excuse me, had to miss, I think, most of her high school life just because she was trying to take care of this kid on her own. Her baby daddy more or less had to start doing two or three jobs just to even basically provide for it because I know her family and his family were a little bit more lower income. And so they said, well, we can't afford this right now. And so they were basically left to their own devices. I don't know what happened to them afterwards, but those two have gotten to the point where I know senior year, they absolutely hated each other and then it almost turned into a custody battle rather than just kind of an amicable, okay, you're going to get the kid for this long, you're going to get this. But I mean, even still, right after high school, there's so many people my age who are going, oh, well, I want to start a family, or oh, I want to get married. And it's like, I don't think they really teach you that it's okay to wait, build up financial security, or just kind of don't, don't feel rushed and pressured by social norms to get married, start a family, settle down, and everything else. I mean, there's people who like my uncle for instance never got married he just kind of does what he wants to do enjoys his life i mean does he want a family eh, give or take but it's not like he's rushing towards it by any stretch of the imagination so yeah so so you brought it on so, so you brought up well you know how to work a relationship is not something they they teach in school how do you teach how to be a, in a relationship i i how would you even teach that how would you even you know i I honestly feel like it would not necessarily be like, this is what you got to do to have a stable relationship because every single relationship is different. But I really do feel like we need to hone a little bit more on understanding body language, understanding that people are different and communication is key because truthfully, through my parents' divorce, they said, oh, well, communication was always the biggest thing that that kind of was the driving factor or, oh, I wish you listened to me here or, oh, I wish you understood when I meant this. And I feel like people are so easily willing to say, oh, well, this is the this is the dividing factor. This was the wedge. But then they aren't willing to do that communication. They aren't willing to sit down and say, okay, I understand that I'm hurting. I understand that you're hurting. Let's try to figure this out. And I mean, yeah. with a relationship, it's so easy to kind of just get back or, or try to just force yourself to be like well i'm with this person so i i should be happy i mean 
she draws a knife on me every single night says i hate you and i want to kill you but i mean i'm in a relationship and i should be happy for it it's like no stuff doesn't work out and that's what they need to kind of realize is just because we have hormones or we have like a lustful tendency towards one person doesn't mean that it's something that you should always say well i feel this way towards this one person and so i should feel that way forever but i mean truthfully and honestly, I kind of want to get back to a little bit more of the personal finance portion of this topic because when you mentioned writing a check, there there is a field trip I remember taking. It's a little bit of a story, but back in middle school, we had a field trip to a place called, I believe it was J.A. Biz, Biztown or Junior Achievement Biztown. And the premise of this was... Taking middle school kids or kind of kids in, in between development of uh, obviously elementary to college. And the whole purpose of it is you go and you act like an adult for a day. And so much like kind of drawing a hat and saying, oh, I'm a banker or I'm a mayor or I'm a fast food worker. That was practically it. They would kind of prep you in the stages for this field trip saying, okay, everyone kind of say out of these three options or out of this list of options, what would be your most favorite careers you could have? And I mean, that's hard asking kids because their minds change and you, you never really stick with one thing you always decide upon. But it was just out of this list, what are the three things you want? And so you, you, do, the survey, you do the survey, the parents or the teachers or whoever's running it gets back to you and says, okay, in my case, I was an accountant. And so okay, I'm an accountant. And then they go ahead and teach you this is how you're supposed to write a check because in J.A. Biztown, I think it was checks and then other types of like uh, currency within this little area or this little building, that was the only thing accepted. So it was basically kind of like running a mini city in like a warehouse. But when you go there, everyone has their job. Everyone's kind of functioning as a, as a small society. And it was so interesting because they ran it like for let's say a fast food restaurant okay during this brief period of time the fast food restaurant wasn't open because let's say it was closed during this time or the workers had to had to clean and so people were required oh go over to the fast food restaurant and purchase blank oh well now you have to understand or you have to learn that restaurants aren't going to be open all the time you kind of have to understand that there's maintenance there's upkeep there's everything else going on oh you want to go to city hall they actually had you wait in queues or in lines and say, okay, well, you want to go drop off like a, a license doc, uh, license or some form of documentation to the city clerk. Okay, wait in a line. Once you get up to the front, hand the city clerk your, your paper. They'll just say, thank you, stamp it or whatever, hand it back to you. Then you go back to your little business and say, hey, I got the licensing. And then you pretend to be working. It was so interesting because as a kid, you just think, oh, well, when I'm, an, when I'm an adult, I just kind of know what I should be doing. But there was so much inner workings into just this small one-day field trip that when you left, it's like, as a kid, I was tired. Like, I wanted to go take a nap because it was so much stimulation, so much information coming at you at once. You go, if this is going to be adulthood, I am screwed. You know what? One of the you, you you know we're talking about things people can't do. It is bizarre to me the people that come into the store that are my age or or older don't know how to write an email, don't know how to send an email, don't know how to write the address on a letter, don't know how to write 
you know, don't, don't, don't know, you know, how to do these things. It's just like, how do you not know how to do that? Yeah. You know, or, or people are actually don't know how to use a damn computer. Like yeah, that's uh, project groups in college that the emails between the students are not professional. Well, I'm not even, I'm not talking about even writing, how to write a professional email. I'm talking about how to write an email, period. Uh, yeah. And I mean, for us, we all grew up in a very technological heavy environment. And so it's just kind of second nature to us. But you would never think that, oh, well, maybe we just need like a computer class. And when I mean computer, I mean basic computer. How to turn on a computer, how to perform upkeep on a computer, how to send the email, how to connect to the internet. And I mean, again, for certain generations or certain age groups, it is like second nature. And you go, how do you not know that? But you also have to remember, there's either people who never grew up in an age of technology, or since technology is rapidly changing, they just don't know what's happening anymore. And so you might have an iPhone or like, I, I know for a fact, one of my friends from my hometown still has a flip phone and he just goes, I don't want to upgrade because then I have to learn a whole new system. And I mean, there's just no training on that. It's just, here's your new complex phone. You don't know how any of it works. Go into the world, have fun. But there's even a limit that that reminds me of something. There's a limit on how far back you can be on technology and because eventually uh, it will not it will it will not be supported like just it just i mean 3g is being phased out now mm -hmm. and that came out when i was a kid yeah sure it'll last 20 years but it, it, it there's only a limit and so i'm going to talk about my job and like you know calvin talks about you know the 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 where he works and about how people don't know how to send an email so uh if, if y'all are just now tuning in um, I work uh, pretty much in IT, software support, you know, et cetera. And, but, but I do hardware too. And so we have pretty much TVs and computers connected to each other. And we, we, my company sells a five-year warranty with a new install of this system. And, you know, we'll just call it a, you know, just uh, digital menu boards. And so these digital menu boards, they, uh, they come with a five-year warranty, right? And so I have these guys who are franchisees who own one of which we managed to like, like they're, they're, these are public faces here and some of them are millionaires, right? And the people under them don't, and then even the franchisees who own five or six stores or the general managers do not understand that these Windows 7 machines or like, or previously these Windows XP machines that we started replacing outright in 2019 or no, I'm sorry, 2020, we phased out Windows XP because it's so dang old, it can't be patched anymore. It's, it's vulnerable to attacks, even though like there's nothing of value and they really couldn't attach to anything of value, they could be a vector to be attacked. And so, but let's, let's cycle back a little bit. That's just a little background. They wouldn't even put money away. Like I'm not I'm like, I'm talking like if you put five bucks a day, because these guys are profiting, you know, maybe two or $3,000 a day. And at least that's by my general estimation, they wouldn't even put $5 a day to, to put for an equipment fund. And so seven, eight years down the road, when we have to replace this equipment, you know, with a, a quote, because it's, it's freaking out of warranty. They're like, no, replace it in warranty. And it's like, or they expect the, 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 the dang equipment to last 10 years. Dude, a, a display that's rated for 50,000 hours is amazing. 
Like, that's... For it to be on for 50,000 hours is intense on any type of display, unless it's ancient. And, like, maybe your tube TVs can last that long. I don't know that last that long on. I might be lying. But I know some that would still work. Your projector TVs last a thousand years. And they, they, don't, they don't set aside funds for that. And so when they get slapped with an $8,000 quote, they get pissed. And it's like, you, you don't, they, they don't even understand that things inevitably fail. And there's not even a guarantee that it'll work forever. And... And they're th these are people who make four or five times the amount of money I did. I do just on a regular basis, and they don't even budget for that. Like, oh my gosh, dude! I I I don't budget for my computer because I know how to fix it myself. But if you don't know how to fix it yourself, and you can't our equipment, if you put your own equipment up, we void your warranty immediately because it's a security risk and also it's a compatibility risk like it might not even work if you just put your own freaking tv up like it it, it, it some of them it won't work at all and they they just they just expect it to work because that that's what they've been taught like everything will work in their favor but it's like the, everything will always work and if it doesn't work you get you just get a new one you call somebody and get a new one and that's not how life works and uh, we we I had um, a talk with uh, some guy who didn't want, it was a like a display, uh, an outdoor display that we have a cable running through the ground and they pinched the conduit, the tube running through the ground. And it was so, it was pinched so hard that the video cable was cut clean. It was a clean cut. It looked like somebody went with like needle, like, you know, like a clipper, like her scissors, and just went snip, snip, and then cut both cables. And it's like without cutting well, the without cutting the conduit on the outside. Uh, well, it looked like there was an impact on the ground, but you couldn't tell that the conduit was pierced. Interesting. And like the the tube, of course, was crushed, but it crushed it. It, it was such a heavy crush that it, it was like a hydraulic press, and you know, a hydraulic press will just cut a cable technically because it just presses it so hard. It was about the same effect. I don't know how they managed that. That was, that was amazing to me. Um, like, I mean, it had to have been like a backhoe or something just going over very soft earth. But they, they, they expected because they paid for it. Just because they paid to have it done that all the replacements for the equipment is going to be free. And it's like, no, it's not. It, 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 there's, there's people who expect... Um, they, they just expect things to work, like, you know, back to the back to things they work. Like, they'll smack one of these screens with a mop handle when they're cleaning up whatever store <laughs> they're in. And then they go, hey, man, replace this under warranty. And it's like, but you smack the display. Yeah. That's, no. Voids the warranty. <laughs> no, it, it immediately voided that display's warranty. It's it's shot. Like, and plus the new displays we got are are cheaper than the ones that they used to be in the past. And... It's seven hundred bucks, plus uh, or somewhere around there, and then like another couple hundred just to get the tech out there to do all that stuff for you. And trust me, it's a pain in the ass. But they won't pay for the tech. They'll want to put it up themselves because they think they know better, and they freaking don't. Like they're just not willing to listen. <laughs> they have one guy install it with supplies. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so <laughs> like people think like they think they know and they don't. 
And, and it kind of comes back to school. It's like you come out thinking you know everything and you don't. And these guys run a business. And they think they know better than me. And so they'll put up, you know, 10 plus pounds of equipment or more with Velcro. Seems legit. And, no and when it falls, they get mad. And it's like, no, you used what? I'm sorry to mount your equipment. You used Velcro. And you expected it to stay up there for more than a few minutes. And granted, it, it took it a couple hours to fall. But you use a bolt. Like, it's just a screw, dude. I, I, well, I mean, it's, it's technically not a screw. It's, they're, they're cousins, technically. But same concept. They have threads. You twist it. It gets tight. And if anything, I prefer bolts to screws anyway. Screws feel like they're easy as crap to strip. But anyway, they won't even do that. We had a... Uh, we have another thing is some kids come out of high school entitled and expect things to go their way, which is which should be really nipped in the bud in school. Uh, we had a guy who was angry we weren't replacing some part because it was out of warranty, and so he took a gun, a, an actual gun, and shot the displays. <laughs> and yes, because that will make it work. And now he's like, <laughs> and now he's like, uh, replace them. And it's like, yeah, uh, no, no. He played too much TFT. He listened to the engineer in TF2 too much. Yeah, pretty much. Use gun. That doesn't work. Use more gun. Use more gun. <laughs> We, we, I had a technician and like some people don't even know how to do their own jobs because they're just not educated enough or they just don't have the critical thinking skills to, oh, that's another thing we could probably talk about here later in the podcast is lack of critical thinking skills in, in some people. So this, this yeah. technician, when we install these boards, you typically want to use lag bolts and studs. Like, you know, if anybody didn't know what a stud is for our listeners behind, like if you're living in a house, you have sheetrock or, you know, your wall. And there's going to be a big wood board, uh, big wood boards behind it. Not, not, not all along the wall, but like every couple of feet, maybe every like foot, foot and a half, maybe two, three. It depends on how your house was built. Those are called studs. They hold up the wall. They also hold up the ceiling ar around the edges. And so you want to use those to, you know, mount your TVs because they're, they're going to stay there until the house comes down. And so, but you, you can bolt some light things in sheetrock, but these are 50 inch TVs with big unistrut brackets on them that hold it there along with computers on the, the, the bracket. And I can't detail much more than that, but, um, we had a technician use toggle bolts, which it's like pretty much a screw. And on the other side is a giant like it's like a square shaped plate that's spring loaded you push it through the wall and it springs open and it clamps to the wall but the problem is is if you use the toggle bolt it's usually for sheetrock so it's really wide so it can pull on a lot of sheetrock to be stable but if you twist the bolt too tight it will cut crush the sheetrock and weaken it so he mounted four of these boards and so the probably total weight was about 100 pounds on the wall uh, probably more, probably less, but some, let's just say ballpark 100 pounds, so it's holding up a small person. And he tightened the bolts too tight, so five months later, this, this system was five months old, and somebody came out to do a replacement, 
And, you know, of course, because the sheetrock was crushed and you're pulling a display off and putting another one on, it was further weakened. And about two months later, all four boards just popped off the wall and slammed into the ground, mounts and all. It ripped the wall out. <laughs> but it ripped out a perfectly square holes where all the toggle bolts were. And that's how I knew they were tightened too tight because it, it, it had already begun to cut in. And through the holes in the wall, and I'm not physically at this freaking store. I saw pictures of it because I directly worked on this site. I saw pictures of it, and through the holes on the sheetrock, you could see studs. They were there, and he didn't <laughs> use lead bolts. Like, how stupid can you be? Like, you're a technician. Oh, don't ask that question. That's a dangerous question to ask. I mean, of course it's a dangerous question, but it's like he was like the using a toggle bolt is a lot harder than just screwing in a lag bolt. Like it's so much harder. Like the lag bolt, you have to do like one step. It's called bore a hole, put bolt in. Perfect. Toggle bolt is you kind of have to put the toggle on the other side of the wall and then screw the bolt in. Like you kind of have to hold it there. And either you're in inserting it through a hole, or you're having some other guy on the other side of the wall looking for the hole that you just drilled. So it, it takes more effort, at least I think that's how it is, but at least engineering-wise, I think to me that makes sense. Because the toggle is like an inch and a half wide before it's deployed, and then it's three or four inches wide when it deploys. So you got one and a half inches long and a half inch wide. And then it deploys. So you have to make a pretty big hole, which means you're weakening the sheetrock further. <laughs> and it's just they, they, they don't think. They, they don't think about the consequences of their actions, which should be taught from an early age. The critical thinking in people. Like, I know some people who are my age who can't think any further than a single step. They're incapable of doing so. They, they can't understand the consequences of their actions beyond... Um, there, there's, there's someone I know who shall rename nameless, um, who made some decisions, uh, and you know I, I because of my experience in this regard in particular, um, you know I'm not going to detail it anymore because they may listen. Um, they, I, I offered them a ton of advice on how this this works, and they didn't listen, and now it's a struggle for this particular action they're doing because I have a year and a half experience doing it and they had none and they went in thinking it would be just all daisies and stuff. And I'm like, no, it takes tons of research. It takes tons of experimentation. I mean, just to get the thing to work could take weeks. And, and you know, they, they've learned other about and they, and they, and to their credit, they said, you were right. It's it's much harder than YouTube and the internet makes it look. And, and you know what? I'm just gonna go ahead and fess up. It's 3D printing. Mm. Um, 3D printing. It looks easy. It's not unless you get you spend two or three thousand dollars on a machine that'll do all the work for you. Sure, but if you're just gonna be printing hobby stuff, don't spend two or three thousand dollars. Spend four hundred on the printer and then learn the printer. And people don't want to do that, and it screws you because there's about. Eight. But people don't want to think. Huh? Is I know a good bit about 3D printing, despite not owning one. Like I know, 
You have to I, use a certain uh, image format in order for it to print correctly. Because that's actually pretty. That, that's actually not even the hard part. So like that, I was the same way you were now before I went into three D printing. I knew how the three D printer worked fundamentally. I knew yeah, how. I calibrate it. I knew how to calibrate it. I knew how to uh, use the slicing software. And when I got the printer, almost all of that knowledge I had, it, it, it helped a little bit. Right. It, it you physically touching it was an entirely different ball game, and so I know some other people in other discords who got a three D printer, and they gave up immediately because they their first print didn't work. The first and it's print's like, never gonna work. The first print never works ever. It, it, you have to keep trying. And uh, we, we do well kind of it's just people can't think beyond a certain capacity and it's it's it, because critical thinking skills are not taught in school at an early well, how age. do you how do you teach critical thinking well so the way in our high school it was taught was like you have a situation okay so here we go um it was kind of like someone needs to do x thing so calvin i want you to teach me how to drink out of this mug in front of me okay like just just get, give me the steps okay so you're going so does it have a handle on it yes okay you're going to grab the handle with your dominant hand okay which i'm assuming is your right hand okay um and then you're going to now, this is so this is you know this is difficult when i'm not looking at you <laughs> yeah, yeah. no no i have I, i'm holding the cup i, I have okay, my hand on the okay, mug right okay. now okay you're going to lift the mug to your mouth keeping it upright so that you don't spill anything out of it okay good because i was about to spill it on my keyboard thank you <laughs> and then you're going to wrap your lips around the side of the mug with a little bit of space so that whatever's and in it your can... lips are now like halfway down the mug on the side. <laughs> no, the, sorry. Okay, around the lip of the mug. How's that? Okay. Is that better? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're going to tilt it ever so slightly so that whatever liquid is inside pours into your mouth before returning it upright before your mouth overflows. Okay. All right. So that was pretty good. <laughs> but think about that. You had to think of the next step and the next yeah. step and the next step. And so people can only go that one step. It's like like a lot of people can only go one or two steps. And, and, you know, sometimes that's okay, depending on what you're doing. But when it comes to life things, they don't do the if this, then that either. And when you combine critical thinking with if this, then that, you have a life plan. And, or you, you can plan way ahead. Like if, you know, my car breaks down, what do I do? Okay, well, I need to have savings. Okay, I need to start my savings. Like they can't work it backwards either. Like, what if I need, like, my car's on my tire. My, my, my car's on well, my I, tire. I mean, I would, my, I would argue that, you know, that's not so much an, a lack, well, in, in terms of money, like, in terms of money, I would, I would argue that's not so much an issue of, of critical thinking. I would think it's an issue of people aren't taught the importance of saving money. And that's true, money. too. Um, but and that's, that's an entirely, yeah, that's an entirely different thing. It's it partially critical thinking in terms of, okay, you need to think of like three steps ahead instead of just what is the immediate action of this. It's a complex cause and effect scenario that I feel like a lot of people just don't grasp. And I mean, 
that's one thing that I feel like a no child left behind scenario and just a, oh, well, you're always right, like coddle, coddle the kid and make sure that they feel special inside. That really removes a cause and effect thing because if you just always reward people despite not knowing or despite causing a consequence, they're never going to understand the cause and effect scenario. And so... For instance, since you were kind of mentioning more of like a finance level, for me personally in high school, I took one personal finance course and that gave me, I will say hands down, the most information I ever needed in terms of, okay, this is how I should start saving money at the age of 18. This is how I should actually start kind of looking at money at a different level than oh, I got my first paycheck, great. I'm going to go blow it on a whole bunch of different things. I'm just going to, as soon as I get that money, I got to do stuff with it. And I feel like a lot of my more personal One friends... Moment. Keep going. What's that? He said it'll be back I have to moment. step away. Oh, okay. Um, but for me personally, I know a lot of my personal friends kind of have issues with finances. And it's just more of the fact of they weren't taught how to properly save money or how to kind of invest money in certain areas. Like, like well, so, so, let's say a Roth IRA, because it's just something that hasn't been taught to them or it's something that in at least my high school, it was just more of an elective. It was a course that you could choose to take, but if you decided against it, I mean, that's perfectly fine. There's other options. Well, and, so, and so their whole thing was, they would get, let's just say, they work 40 hours a week. They get their paycheck. Okay, obviously, the immediate cause and effect would be like, okay, I got my paycheck. I know for a fact I have rent due, let's say, in a couple of days, so I got to pay my rent. Okay, I know for a fact I got to pay for gas. I got to pay for gas. Okay, great. But then they don't allocate money aside in case of emergencies or they don't put money aside like, I need food or I should budget out my food. They just go, okay, Whatever I still have left over from those immediate transactions I know are going to happen, I'm going to go throw it on whatever I want to. And so every single time they, they want to go out and do something, it's either, oh, I don't have enough money, or oh, hey, can you spot me something? And it's just like, no, I'm sorry. We're now getting to the age, like our, our mid, mid to late 20s. This isn't acceptable behavior for anybody anymore. People are going to kind of start looking at you in a different light just because, well, you're, you, you either are going into a career or you've been in the working world for a few years. If you hadn't gone to college, how do you not know how to manage your money this long? Yeah. Um, so, so there was a, there was speaking of, you know, classes and all that stuff, there was a, there, there was a, I don't know if it was at Alabama or something, but there was a, a, a school teacher or, or I think it was a superintendent that said, that said, um, in order to graduate high school in his district or whatever, you were going to have to take. We, they called it home ec. I think they, you know, home economics. It was, but it was, it was how to budget, how to, how to, how to. Um, you were going to have to take this home ec class. You were going to have to learn how to budget, learn how to, learn how to balance. You know, learn how to um, do some like simple sewing. You know, how to change a tire, stuff like that. And, you know, and I think that's great. Um, you know, my, my school offered something like that. And I'm trying to think, I think you had to take it if you weren't doing another elective like band or something like that. But, I mean, but, one, of the, but one of the issues, if you, if you adding that as a class, right, if, if you want to add a class to teach these, these 
these subjects to kids, one of the issues you're going to run into is time. So, so the state of Texas wants you to take this set of class, you know, wants you to take these classes and these classes are meant to be spread out over four years. You have to take, you know, four kind, you know, three kinds of math and two foreign, you know, two foreign languages and, you know, four times, you know, English four times. And, you know, you need to do all these things. Where are you going to put it? What are you going to sacrifice? And so that's that's the kind of question I want to ask you guys. Think about it kind of instead of just going like, oh, well, I know one off the top of my head. What would be one class you would want to get rid of, let's say in high school, to replace it with like more of a personal finance or a home ec class? Because like personally for me, I know I had like a fine arts credit that I had to do, which was either go do like an art class, go to band, do choir, what have you. I personally, and I mean personally, think that is a little bit not really in, not really interesting or not really necessary simply because if people have kind of an artistic interest they're willing to kind of venture into that on their own volition i mean r- granted they kind of nudge you towards that direction at least in my middle school they had you pick up an instrument or they would at least have you do art class once a week and so you were exposed to that and then kind of plant the seed into a potential hobby or a potential interest however with high school I'm sorry, if we didn't have the chance to do pottery in middle school or elementary school, I don't. Th- I personally don't think that it would get to the point where somebody in high school goes, oh my gosh, well, I just made a little clay pot and now I- this is all I want to do. It's kind of like, okay, well, that person would have probably already had that interest. Or if they didn't, they could have taken that elective. But instead of forcing people to take art rather than forcing people to take personal finance, you're missing out on so many opportunities to better yourself for the future, which they always claim that they're trying to do for you. Yeah, that, that, that's one answer? thing. Because it's going to be controversial. Yeah, go I'm for it. Right now. Go uh, for it. languages. I, I was going to say that. So I'm going to bounce off Calvin. That was what I was going to say. So in my, in, in, in Sanic knows, we had a uh, teacher, Miss McCormick, and I have uh, numerous grievances against her, but let's just say, you know, I don't think she was, a, I mean, she, she taught me a lot of things that I kind of remember about Spanish, but the, the way the class, there's some of the consequences of the class were stupid. Huh? As a person, she was nice. As a teacher, not great. Yeah. And, but my whole thing is, is I'm going to, I'm going to say something controversial because it only makes sense to me. Uh, if I offend anyone, sorry, Get over I'm it. not in charge of your freaking feelings, <laughs> but I'm not going to say anything super. I, I honestly believe that the most spoken language should be taught. And in some instances, the second most spoken language just should be taught. But the problem is, is they don't teach the second most spoken language when we're kids, when we're, I'm, and I'm talking pre junior high is when you should teach it because that's when it'll freaking stick. If you teach them in high school, it will not stick. This has been proven. And so instead of teaching Spanish in high school, you remove the art classes when they were really young. And then we, we put in the second language and then we use the either art in high school so you can kind of do stuff there. Or you do your personal finance there when it's going to be the best, when it's going to be used almost immediately. And But they don't do that. On the statement of doing art stuff, if you like art, at least in my personal experience, and someone who doesn't make money off of art, the most I've learned from art and the most I practice art have always been outside of school. 
Yeah, I feel like being required to do it destroys the interest. That's why you don't make a job something you love unless it's like something you really, really love. Like it's if you're dead, 100% set on it, like this is all you want to do for the rest of your life, then yeah, make a job of it. But I wanted to be a computer scientist. And when I was doing all that stuff, I ended up hating it. How like I, I, your job should be something you love. It, 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 it depends. I still love now, programming. Now, no, your job should be something you love, but you need to have hobbies outside of it. Yeah, yeah, of course. But because my job is IT, I'm less inclined to game now. <laughs> That's wrong. Because... Because I'm in co- in front of a computer for eight hours, I'm gonna go go home and be in front of a computer for a- another like let's say two or three. And if something happens on my desktop computer, I'm less likely to troubleshoot it because that's what I've been doing all day is troubleshooting computers. Oh, my computer's yeah, sh- screwed that. up. Oh, I- I'll look at it. You know what? I'm done for the night. Like I'm I'm not even gonna bother fixing it. Like I'm not gonna bother fixing the software issue, which is usually what it is. I want feel that. <laughs> I wanna I wanna touch on consequences. People are not taught at an early age, and, and, and it's not. And if they are, it's not continued throughout high school. And as we get older, people misunderstand what the word consequences mean. What was that? When, what was that uh, mean? Like, okay, when will they learn? When <laughs> will they learn that their actions have consequences? That is such a funny video. <laughs> Where's those you freaking freaks? We also need We also need to include like. Failure is not something to be afraid of. That's true. And now, like, so, I know so how do you, so, so, okay, so again, like like the relationship things, how do you teach somebody that failure is okay? And, I mean, how, how do you teach somebody that failure is okay? I mean, you know, you, you have to, so, so like, the I state could, of Texas requires that you know, requires that you know certain things. How do you say that failure is, you know, how do you, how do you teach somebody that failure is okay? Because, I, I know exactly how to do that because okay. that is truthfully how I became an engineer was was failing until I realized that, oh, okay, there it, there is something out of failure. And simply put, if you are willing to, or I shouldn't say if you're willing to fail because <laughs> you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be just okay with it. But if you fail, there's always that mentality of, oh, I just want to give up. I'm not good at this. I, like, just this isn't worth it. But if you fail and you go, okay, damn it, I'm going to look at this and I'm going to try to figure out what's wrong with it. As long as you take away something from that failure or from that problem, whatever you got wrong, if you're willing to learn or at least say, okay, what can I do so I can get better next time? That was something that honestly I taught myself throughout high school, or not throughout high school, sorry, but throughout college. Because with my high school, I could do the bare minimum. I mean, truthfully, the bare minimum. And since I was considered a quote-unquote smart kid, I was able to just walk through everything with a straight A. However, when I got to college, obviously all of that was completely different. And they go, oh, we prepped you. No, you did not. Because there are professors with unrealistic standards. There are people who have very differing backgrounds, differing mentalities, and differing expertise. So just because you were able to just fly through everything in high school doesn't mean that you're going to be the same smart kid in college. Case in point, I get to like, let's say, I don't know, a data analytics course, which I absolutely love data analytics now. However, in the first couple of weeks of that course, I had no idea what I was doing. I never coded before. I really didn't touch any sort of like in-depth statistics. However, 
for the first couple of weeks, I just I didn't know how to write code. I was sitting there. I couldn't figure out the homework. I was talking to my professor constantly, just going like, "Hey, help me, help me, help me." And she didn't give me the she didn't give me the answer. She didn't just say, "Well, show me your screen. I'll type out everything for you," or I'll basically kind of th- throw you the answer so that way you can just like softball it. No, what she did was go ahead and type it out. Like type out what you think is gonna happen. And once you give it a solid try, she'll go, "Okay, do you know what you did wrong in that one?" And if you go, well, no, I don't. She goes, okay, take a few minutes to figure it out. Because having an environment in which people are willing to help you after you fail is so much more rewarding because you go, yeah, I screwed up. But hey, this next time, I know I got it. So, I know so I can in- do better. I know I can fix this. Rather than just saying, oh, well, you failed? Oh, well, you obviously don't know what you're doing. Get out of my face. Okay, so, okay, so, so you, so your solution to, to teaching kids that failure is okay is, not having a failing grade to be permanent, basically. You know, so you take a test, you bomb the test, your your teacher goes, okay, yeah, you didn't do good, you know, but, you know, but if you work on it and correct it, then I'll raise your grade, right? Something like that. It's partially the the instructor being willing to kind of work with people, and it's also partially well, yeah, that, your own mentality. Because okay, here, so, here's the thing. No, here's the thing. If you fail and the instructor walks up to you and just goes, oh, well, that stinks, but if you try hard enough, I'll fix your grade. I mean, yeah, that's a little bit of incentive, but it's also an incentive if, a, if an instructor says, hey, look, I know you didn't do great. That's okay. Like, you don't have to be perfect at this the first time around, but let's sit down and let's try to figure out what's going on. I mean, that's, so, that's extending the offer of how, do you, how to help how, you. If you have... A, if you have let's say four classes of 30 students, right? So you have 120 students. How do you do that for 120 kids? That's the thing that I said with like the no child left behind. That is something we have to avoid because here's the thing. People are going to get that notion or get that kind of seed in their mind of, I know how to do this. I just need that little extra step. I mean, if people are not willing to have that mentality, then I'm sorry, you will be left behind because Again, if I fail something, but I know deep down I can get this done, like a lot of my engineering courses, I failed a lot of exams. But at the end of the day, I go, I know for a fact deep down I want to be an engineer. In order to become an engineer, I know I have to pass this exam. So what can I do, either talking to the professor or through my own volition, what can I do to ensure that the next time I take this exam, even if it's completely rewritten with completely different questions that I have no idea what they are, I know for a fact I know the I know the steps, I know the process. And I mean I again miss, I mean the issue with that is some people just don't have that drive. And I get that. And that's the other thing too that they don't teach you is that not everybody needs to be on the same page. Because not everybody's going to get it right away. There's different learning styles, there's different mentalities towards learning styles. For me personally, I'm visual and hands-on. I don't want to just read how to do something and then go, okay, go do your job or go write that formula. I need to see that formula written out step-by-step explained, and then I want to sit there, work with you, and do an entire thing step-by-step. But at the end of the day... how do you do that for 120 kids? You don't. That's what I'm saying. You don't do that for everybody. It's partially on those kids who are willing to say, I want to be 
better. I want to improve myself. But if there are kids who are saying, I don't want to improve on my pot, I don't want to improve upon myself, but you are giving them the tools to succeed, then those kids are just never going to get themselves out of that hole. Or there's going to be some driving factor later on in life that could either potentially help them out or sink them deeper. It's partially a mental game. It's also partially providing people the tools to succeed and seeing whether or not they take them. I'm gonna. So, so I'm gonna not bounce. so much. So uh, not so uh, much telling people that it's okay to hold, fail. Hold on, hold on. Uh-huh. Okay, so what 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 I'm gonna take? I'm gonna bounce off Eli. Is the 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 whole thing with this school is is you? you, you I know some kids don't want to do school. Unfortunately, like with this no child left behind stuff, is there some kids who just don't want to do it? And I get that school sucks sometimes, but life they need to understand that. And and sometimes they refuse to do so. And 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 Taylor and I we know some people who were like that, who as soon as they're out of high school, <laughs> I'm still like that. <laughs> but no, I'm talking like. They're, they're, they they you, you cannot push them no matter you, you could you can give them every every tool in the book you can give them every tool they need to succeed if they don't want to do something they don't want to do they're not going to do it we can't and, and we can make them but ultimately all of the effort that we put into that person will ultimately be wasted mm. and because I mean, Calvin. I, I, you know what, Calvin. You know, I want you to go out and poke that beehive. I want you to go take start, start t- raising bees and taking care of bees. I'll give you, I'll give you the hives, the boxes. I'll give you the suit. I'll give you the smoke blower. I'll give you whatever that thing is called. I'll give you all of that. I'll, I'll even supply the bees. I'd be down for that. That's first on I, I think I'd, I, 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 I kind of want to start an apiary because bees are dying. But anyway, oh <laughs> but if people, if people don't want to do it, they're not going to freaking do it. You can spend all the money you want on them to give them the, the means to succeed, and they don't want to. And they need to understand that, and this, comes to, this plays into jobs too. You're going to have to do shit you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. If you do not do that thing, and, and, and some of those things, like some of them you can get by with not doing then that's fine. But there's going to be one time there's going to be a thing you don't want to do, and if you don't do it, you're fucked. You, I mean, and, and pardon my French, because I'm, I'm, I'm really trying not to do that during the podcast, but if you do not do the thing that you need to do the thing, whatever the thing is, X thing, like uh, let's say you make $120,000 a year and all of a sudden you decide not to pay taxes and the IRS audits your ass. You're, oh, 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 you're, you're screwed. You're either going to have to learn how to dodge that tax, which is also kind of annoying, or pay the tax. There, there is no not doing anything. Because if you don't do anything, the, the IRS is going to like pay us what we owe. Oh, you know what? We're going to stack on fees or outright just get arrested. I mean, gosh, even the one, some of the most powerful men in the world, like Al Capone, who ran the city out of his dang pocket, avoided taxes, and it still bit him in the ass. And the guy killed people for a living. And it's so cycling back is there are things you don't want to do. Like, let's say you have to walk to school. Like I I walked to school and then I eventually drove to school. If if uh, well, I walked home. Now, there's the fast way to walk home and there's the long way to walk home. And sometimes let's just say the, the fast way to walk home, you have to walk across a field that has a bunch of flowers. That means there's bees there. I mean, if you don't like bees, cool. But in the Texas heat, you're either going to suffer on the long way home or you might risk getting stung by a bee. 
And so you may have to learn how to interact and be around bees, which is, you know, pretty much just don't freak out. Just, just if one flies by, you don't swat at it, just leave it alone, you know, yada, yada. Or you, you, you walk on a 30-minute trip in the sweltering heat. It, 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 you take your pick. Okay, but how do you uh, how do you teach a child that? You, I I don't think you're understanding that, Calvin. There's there's limitations to what you can teach because we can't teach you everything. Can't, you can't you're right, force you're right. feed you you're can't force right. feed kids everything. It, and that's it, like for me, it would have been so simple for me after failing like let's say my fifth engineering exam to just go. Engineering's not for me. Obviously, I failed this. I don't need to do it. But I mean, there's driving factors personally that nobody else told me, oh, you need to, you need to do this. I mean, personally, I wanted to prove to people that, yeah, I, want, I, I wanted to be an engineer and by all means, I will get there regardless of how long it will take because I'm that dedicated. I've had people that get into easy jobs and start making a whole bunch of money and they're just like, oh, it's so easy. I just did X, Y, and Z. Okay, yeah, that's for you, but not everybody follows that route. And I mean, in the end, you can't teach everyone everything. You have to want that, and you want to have a motivation to push forward in order to fully succeed. Teachers and instructors can only give you the tools that they've learned, plus their own drive and their own motivation to help you. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to try like, to... Real quick, though. Just recently with this new job that I had, there was this girl who got hired on and she wanted to be a line worker for manufacturing. Now, line workers, it's a very simple, truthfully, it's a very simple job. It's very uh, repetitive and it can be very boring, but it's not very labor intensive. She wanted this job because she goes, this is going to help me move forward in the right direction. I mean, I'm going to be able to kind of get out of this small town and, and X, Y, and Z. And I mean, good for her. She had that drive. She had that motivation. She got walked out yesterday because she was not willing to take the extra step. Simply put, she was not willing to kind of dress, I wouldn't say like raggy or raggedy, but more like kind of baggier shirts, stuff that you obviously don't want to wear oh and get God. ruined. I mean, partially that, partially the fact that she didn't want to wear steel toe boots or steel toe shoes because, oh, why well, just, I don't like the style of them. Well, I'm sorry. If you want to work in a manufacturing environment and you have the drive to work in a manufacturing environment, you're going to have to make those sacrifices. That's not something that somebody can teach you. Okay, well, let's try on a steel toe shoe today. Let's do little by little so you get accustomed to it. No, I mean, you are have, you're going to have to make sacrifices. And if this is something you really want, you're going to either push through and persevere or you're going to sink and, and drown. Simply put. Yep, it, I agree with Eli. So uh, a lot of things that kids do, like I, I'd say almost a majority of kids do that teach them that failure isn't really all that bad is games. And that, that, that can be anything from sports, uh, some various competitions. Like, heck, if you even just do band, there are going to be times when you don't know how to play an instrument or you don't play it as good as somebody else, and you're going to fail. And so what's going to happen is, is you can either figure out that you need to do better or, or change something up. And and normally most of the time you, you'll you, you it's going to be told to you that you need to change what you're doing, and and that information is freely available to most people, and you can either listen to it or not. 
And it, it, I think it ultimately comes down to whether or not you absorb anything at all. And, I mean, for like, like let's just take War Thunder, for example. Um, I, I know Eli's probably just rolling his eyes right now, but I know Calvin and I like it. So, Calvin, how do you kill a KV-1? Uh, for those uh, who don't that, know, is KV-1 that, is, that, is, a world is that the Russian Death Fridge? No, that's the KV-2. But, uh, no, oh, okay. I, so, it, it's, it's, it, it, the KV-1 oh. is the same hole. Yeah, uh, but the smaller gun. Okay, but let me pause before we continue. Oh, I was gonna say you're uh, gonna go way too technical. It's gonna go. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to explain head. what's gonna go. What's gonna happen here? So, <laughs> everyone. So, War Thunder is a tank v tank. Well, I mean, it can be tank planes or boats, but I only do the tank portion. It's tanks versus tanks, and it starts in pre World War II tanks to modern day tanks. And each tank is built differently. It each has its own weaknesses. A lot of tanks share the same weaknesses, like the top, bottom, uh, the top and bottom of the tank, and the sides and back of the tank are typically the weakest. And so, a Russian KB-1, which is a Russian tank built during World War II, has a very hard front. It's very hard to penetrate with your gun. But there is one spot on the front that, if you shoot it, you'll almost get a kill every single time. It's the driver hatch where the driver's sitting right behind it. Now, you figure that out either by Googling it or shooting the Russian tank enough until you finally find the spot that it goes around. And so you can either freely use information that's available to you or you figure it out on your own. I, I was the second thing. I, I hate it. I, I, every time I saw a KB-1 in the game, I'd go hide behind a rock because it's just like, no way I'm going to penetrate that. And then, you know, sometimes I would get bored and just sit there and shoot at it. I would shoot its barrel out so it couldn't shoot anymore. And then just kind of start shooting spots at it until the round goes through and kills everybody in the tank. Which is fine. So there, there's two methods to avoid failure. Or, you know, you could either embrace failure or attempt to avoid it at all costs with preparation. There, there's, there's two ways to do that. And then you have your subways. Um, like, I'm going to ask you a question, Calvin. How does a dog learn that a beehive is bad? Stung. It gets stung. That, that's a great, like, and so now you have a big consequence, which is it gets stung in the face and its face swells up and everybody puts it on Instagram because it's swollen and it's hilarious. And yeah, sure, yeah. there's painful <laughs> consequences to failure. But there's also, like, in some things we do in life, that failure, it, it, it just, it's just another, uh, you just try again. I mean, like, my printer, like, oh, no, uh, it, it, my two-hour print failed. Uh, well, you just got to look at it and see what your takeaway from it is. Like, the 3D printer almost tells you with the print what the heck happened. A lot of failure, there isn't just, oh, I failed for no reason. That's utter BS. There is a reason why people fail. And sometimes it might not be as technical, but there's always a reason. Sometimes that reason may be BS, but there is never no reason. Um, like for code, like people always joke, oh. I, like people always joke. Reasons outside their control too. So yeah, the, yeah, and if it's outside your control that you failed, uh, there's always a piece of advice that I liked. That I like is okay. You have a problem. You have a thing that's a problem. Okay, is it in your direct control? Can you change the outcome of that problem? Yes. Okay. Cool. You can now handle the problem. Is it outside of your control? Don't worry about it as much. Yeah, pretty much. 
like let's say for a job example calvin um you're uh let's just say you're working in a U ups warehouse and i need you to put i need you to box it put the boxes where they go correctly and i need you to do 10 boxes a day at least let's just or 10 boxes an hour or 10 boxes every 20 minutes let's just let's just say an hour i know that's a long time okay. to put away 10 boxes okay so you're putting nine boxes away every hour okay so you know you're putting away nine boxes every hour you know you're supposed to do 10 mm -hmm. and that's inside your control that is something you can improve now you know there's some nuances to that but typically you're you're going to be able to do 10 boxes now let's do another scenario so you can either prove put some boxes faster change your method of how you put up boxes yeah or i fire you or let's we can do another consequence that's beyond your control is i don't like you so i'm going to fire you i just don't like you as a person mm -hmm. are there a lot of people who are going to do that no if you know someone fires you that way uh yeah that's a failure but it's not a failure on your part and sometimes when failure hits you that way especially when it's not your fault it, it's just better to move on because wasting any thought process on a failure that was caused by someone else or something else that was not preventable by you and was totally not your fault is nothing to worry about because you spending time to worry about it instead of just trying to get around the consequence of that failure or just moving through it all it does is hurt you it does like if my boss let's say my boss I, I walked in with let's say i walked in with a new world sweater and like you know from the game new world it's like hey i don't want a gaming hoodie here and it's like well, I mean, it was cold outside. I just walked in with the hoodie. It's like, well, you know what? I didn't like that. Here, you're fired. I need to get a new job. Like, right now. Like, don't even worry that he fired you. Don't make a fuss. Like, you can fuss about it later. You need a new job right now. It's, you got to push through it or you can wallow in misery. And people don't understand or are not taught that wallowing in misery at failure for whatever reason hurts you more than it helps you now i'll go so i'll go so so far as to say in terms of failure again i know we've been going on this kind of topic in this podcast for a bit but kind of overall the biggest thing and i mean really in my mind the biggest thing that i was never really taught was ask for help if you don't know something or you're unsure what have whatever ask for help and i know for a fact that Every single teacher since the dawn of time has says, oh, well, if you don't know anything, just ask, ask me. I, I'll be willing to help. And I mean, they're right. But there's also such a weird kind of cultural and social kind of cliff to climb over in terms of, well, I don't want to ask for help because it makes me look weak or it makes me look like I don't know what I'm doing. And one thing I've learned now kind of being in a I would say more career than just being in a university or a classroom environment is nine times out of 10, there's a lot of other people who have no idea what's going on, but they just also don't want to say anything. And the fact that you are willing to admit to yourself and admit to your employer or your teacher, whatever, and say, look, I don't know, but I want to know is the biggest thing because again it's endearing you're kind of opening up yourself and you're being vulnerable to that person by saying look i know you want me to know this 
but I'm trusting you to teach me. Because again, if you go up to a job and you say, I don't know what I'm doing, let's say for me, because I'm still kind of in a training process, if I say, I don't know what I'm doing, they're not going to be like, oh, you don't know? You're fired. They're going to say, well, we spent a lot of time and money to get this person onto the team. Well, I want them to succeed. I'm, yeah. I'm investing my time. I'm investing my efforts. Okay, how can I help you? And same with the university. The professors don't want to, well, I shouldn't say every professor doesn't want to fail you because there's always a few bad eggs. But I mean, there's going to be professors who even might seem like the most strict people. But at the end of the day, they're teaching that course. And if you come up to them and say, I don't understand, can you please help me? They're going to try their best because they want you to succeed. It's funny and, you mentioned the, the you need to learn how to ask for help. Yeah, I got that through a trial by fire in that I was in a GT math class. I don't remember what well, I think it was algebra, GT algebra class or whatever. And and the teacher's response to well, the the teacher's answer was, if you don't understand something, ask somebody else. Ask one of ask one of your fellow students. <laughs> and it's like, are you fucking? And that is the only that is the only class I ever failed. Yeah, no, like I'm kind of in the same boat where I was first taught to not ask to for help, and then when I got into college, I had to reprogram myself to. I I have a another topic in line with what we're talking about. Um, okay. allow me to allow me to finish this yeah, one sure. thought real quick. Um, I mean, as as both of you, Calvin and Taylor, have mentioned. It is a very much a trial by fire method, but I mean, it's something that as soon as you're willing to kind of turn that switch and say, look, if I have to be the idiot or if I have to be the one to take the bullet and say, I don't know, and might look like an idiot or lose a little bit of pride because of it, I'm willing to do that because I've had so many situations in college and just throughout life in general where you're sitting around, let's say, with your group of friends somebody needs to ask like a, again a supervisor instructor what have you somebody somebody who's more knowledgeable than you let's just say they want to ask them something and everyone's like well i don't want to ask them you ask them i don't want to ask them you ask them i mean whoever's the first person to just go up and say hey can you help me out that person is almost immediately welcomed just yeah what can i do for you it's all good right. whereas everybody else will just be sitting there going like Oh, well, I, I mean, if it was that easy, I could have just done that. Well, yeah, it is that easy. This isn't like I'm going to twist your arm or I'm, I'm going to like give you a black eye if you ask a wrong question. No, everyone learns differently. Everyone needs to understand that at the end of the day, learning, isn't a, learning shouldn't be a painful process. It should be fun. And if you don't know something, speak up, because otherwise you may never figure it out in the long run. Right, and that was half of it. And the other half was when I asked, the response was, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, if your instructor doesn't know, then it's a great learning environment for both of you to figure out what's wrong. <laughs> no, why are you like, teaching this? Half my, life, yeah. <laughs> half my life is like, well, even if I ask, they might not know. So I guess I'll just go figure it out on my own. Oh, God. Right. <laughs> I guess yeah, it's it, a terrible it, thing about growing up. If you up stump the town. professor or you stump the boss, then it's just like, oh, geez, 
do I know more now because I asked a complex question? Like, wait a minute, this is backwards. <laughs> I was like, crap, how much did I fuck up? <laughs> right. So, uh, to touch on uh, two things that Eli reminded me of is, uh, you know, during his uh, uh, tirades. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, rants. He- <laughs> Is uh, people don't know how to freaking apologize for a screw up. Oh gosh! Like, and that can be anything. Like, I get that there, there, there's a difference, but also there's a difference between reason and excuses. But we can just kind of shelve that. I forgot the other thing that he said, but we'll just touch on the, you know, not saying sorry. Is uh, oh no, I remember the other thing. Is uh, you know, when you mess up, you hurt somebody's feelings, you break something, you did a bad apologize because well, I mean, it, it's a lot of people will double down and then say they're the ones that did the bad thing yeah and and people who do that just irk me to no end is that they are unwilling to admit that they were wrong and now sometimes when people argue about stupid things like politics which is a big problem and i'm not going to go further into politics is that they, they they sometimes are just Ooh, politics all right wrong. cool no, 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 sir. No, 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 no sir. <laughs> and uh, that, that's either a different podcast or never. It's a different and, podcast or never. And, yeah. and so we have, um, let's say, uh, oh, I've had people screw up at work and I'll call them out on it. And it's like, hey, you screwed up. And some of the people go, sorry, you know, sorry, you know, yeah, you know, I, it's a screw up, whatever. It won't happen again. Cool. I like that. But then they'll oh. go. Or, but th- th- there's the other option where they'll go, well, no, that was how I was taught. And, and that's an okay reason to screw up is like, say you, you were doing a, an extensive process at work. They screw something up. I was taught that way. Cool. Um, if you do it again, though, after I told you you screwed up, it's 100% on you now. And if you don't say sorry, then, you know, won't happen again. We're going to have a problem. I'm not going to trust you to do your job. And, or, you know, when people get into arguments, like sometimes, like there's been three separate instances where I really popped off at one of my roommates. Like I really popped off. And, you know, I sat down, thought about it. You know, I shouldn't have popped off. Like, you know, I come back all 30 minutes later after I've had time to simmer and, you know, kind of go from high heat to low heat. You just kind of cool the water down, release some of the steam pressure, just sit there, go do something else, go focus on something else. And come back. Hey, man, I'm sorry. You know, it is what it is. Give me, give, let's pause for five seconds because give me a second. Just let me, let's pause. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue my. Th- we lose Gray? Apparently. Oh, that's great. Okay, I want to I, I want to piggyback on that in terms of people not knowing when to say I'm sorry. Yeah, because that that gave me such and I'll let you continue, Gray. But now that you're back, but th- the one thing I know for a fact that drove me absolutely up the wall, which entitlement is going to be an entirely different podcast altogether, because I can go on for hours. But I know for a fact in senior design project, which was just you're assigned to a project or you're assigned to quote unquote like a a uh, a job posting for engineers and then you're supposed to create this product for whatever business that your your industry is in let's just say and so a lot of a lot of you probably know the individual i'm talking about just vicariously through my rants that i had during that time but this one individual 
always thought he knew more than he really did when it came to just anything engineering. Like he was he was a senior. Obviously, he went through the ringer. He knew enough to get himself up to that point. But there was also moments where he just didn't know what to do, but he never really said anything. And so there was a very vital moment where we thought, okay, look, we need you to just focus on one part of this robot, just one part. We're giving you total control. Please just get it done by next Monday. And he goes, okay, sure. Well, next Monday rolls, rolls around. We go, hey, bud, do you have this part? Like, is it done? And he goes, no, I told you, I told you there was issues. And it's like, you told us? I don't see any communication through our group chats or anything else. Well, yeah, no, 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 I, I definitely told you. And so we're looking through going like, okay, maybe he said something, maybe something was going on. And the reason why we needed that part by Monday was because we had a giant presentation on Tuesday. And this presentation was going to be in front of our client, in front of our professors, in front of basically kind of the rest of the class. And so we go, well, if you don't have the part, what are we going to present? Well, I don't know. I, I told you I couldn't figure it out. Long story short, come to find out, this guy never informed us on anything. He didn't even know how to start the part. But instead of, again, asking for help or just admitting, hey, yeah, I, I just, I don't know what to do. Can I get some assistance? He just feigned ignorance and then got completely belligerent with us saying, well, I, I told you. No, I informed you. I informed you. It wasn't until, I would say, the end of the project where we finally got a passing grade and he knew he was in the clear that he walked up to us and he just goes, yeah, so... I feel like we need to approach the subject on that one part. And I go, okay, kind of expecting him to apologize. And he goes, yeah, I feel like you guys went a little bit over the top with me. And I don't think it was very appropriate. And I go, are you, are you trying to apologize for you? Like, I, I, I don't understand this. And he just, he's just, at the end of the day, not willing to say, I'm sorry for nearly messing up the whole project. It was just more like, I know I messed up, but I'm going to kind of make you guys feel guilty for calling me out on it. it. It was such a weird thing, and it was just one of those moments where I go, a simple, I'm sorry, I didn't get it done. Yeah, there would have been a moment of frustration, a little bit of agitation, but then you just go at the end of the day, okay, I mean, you didn't get it done. We still got to get it done regardless, rather than faking that you got it done, telling us that you communicated it, and then having to walk up to the presentation and go, well, I told my team what was going on. I don't know why they didn't understand. It was a huge debacle. I could go on for days trying to kind of censor that individual just in case they ever listen to the podcast. But I just want to know. I just want this person to know at the end of the day, I knew you were talented in certain aspects. All you had to do was ask for help. And all you had to do was say, I'm sorry when you messed up but you couldn't even do that for us yeah even farther uh, than that he actively dragged you down with him yeah yes that, that's, to do. yes yeah absolutely. that's that's another thing is if, if like you cause direct harm to someone either uh, by not doing a process or genuinely hurting their feelings even sometimes like it, it just just you, you you did you did an f up you, you effed up it's just Dude, like, it makes you look so much better to the other person if you're willing to admit you screwed up. Because if you mm -hmm. double down 
Even if, like, sometimes you may even need a little white lie it a little bit. At least just make it look a teeny bit genuine. Like, you know, sorry, whatever. There's sometimes you do need to die on your hill. You need to stand your ground on your hill. And you do, you need to, you may need to die on it. You may need to apologize a different way. I'm sorry, you know, I reacted that way, but I still don't, I, I still, I'm going to stand by what I did. Like, you can still, like, if you're going to say, and you give your reason, like, I'm sorry, I did that. I'm sorry you feel that way. I did this because of this. And I'm gonna stand by it. Like that's okay too. Like you can you can do that. Um, right. But if if you're not willing to learn that you know other people are kind of dependent on you to trust you to do X Y or Z or treat you X Y or Z, and like I I uh, and you know who th this person is. Um, so you know when. Uh, a DM we had. Um, <laughs> I know where this is going. I know where this is going. We, the, the when when we when we had that pop off moment when someone made a, a bad play and we were about to, we were about to kill one of our own party members. He popped off, and I I approached him about the subject. I said, "Hey man, like I don't feel like I feel like that was not cool. Like it was embarrassing. Like the fact that I got." Like I had to say, everybody stop. Like you know, like I usually don't. I'm not the mediator. Like I, 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 I do it sometimes. But the fact that I had to do it over and over and over again, like everybody, we need to stop. Like, are we gonna have to stop this game? Like, like the fact that I had to kind of take charge and just get everybody to shut up. Like I haven't had to do that for a while, which because you know we all get along was astounding to me especially like when in in a in, in in tabletop games everybody has to work together for including the person leading the tabletop game we we all have to work together or there is no game and i i get that's the character they want to play but and they they played true to their character i get it but it, it was going to cause problems and if you your character you knowingly your character is going to cause strife within your group that's your own fault but it's less on that players than it was the DM. And the DM um, got angry for possible bias reasons because they were in a relationship with that person, the player. And I, I get it, but you shouldn't be a DM if, if you're going to be DMing over someone who's really close to you in your relationship. I get friends and stuff like that, but if you're like trying to keep them in the game by defying other players fudging fudging this or saying they can't do that that's not how a tabletop game works tabletop game the players lead there's sometimes where the dm needs to go are you sure are you sure you want to do this that was not one of those times a player was being a cock they they were being a cock they were gonna they were gonna the npc that they were with was being a cock and it was gonna result in their immediate deaths because they were cocks that's what happens. You, you need to live by the consequences of your actions. And this was a game, and it turned into a screaming fest, on mostly on one side. And we have yet to get an official apology, and that takes me off. Like, that still takes me off. And people are, and I kind of want to finish my thought is, ultimately, it comes down to forgive, forgiveness. I'm not, forgiveness doesn't mean Oh, they're, they're, oh, this person killed a person. We should just forgive them. Cool. Forgive does not mean forget what that person does. You're still entitled to remember and feel about the way that person. 
you need to you may need to forgive them and sometimes you have to for what they've done but you do not have to forget and let's say that eli you know hurt someone close to me in some form or fashion i'm gonna forgive you eli like I, i may i may not understand what you did but you did what you did at that time there's no changing in the past me hating you forever doesn't change what happens but you know damn well eli i will not forget what you did well and sure and, and sure that means may, may may count as a grudge but i've forgiven you like uh we've had our arguments in the past if i didn't forgive you for our big heated stupid arguments we've had in the past where we've gotten mad at each other we wouldn't be freaking friends Mm -hmm. um let's see here we are um we're, we're kind of starting to crunch on time does anybody have any other thoughts um, not particularly not based off of that <laughs> you guys have brought up taxes in school which is something i would have liked to yeah, I was gonna say, we got yeah we might do a part two of this one because <laughs> uh, we, we may need to go more technical on technical things like actual life things we kind of went more on emotional and relationship things which should be taught i yeah. think they should be or at least touched a little bit or people get experience on it that would be cool um yeah. but uh, we, we can probably revisit technical things later, like applying for jobs. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We, 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 we I like two. how every, every podcast we have more ideas after the podcast. I, I, I enjoy it. Cause I, I know Eli's typed a couple of things, um, already in chat and I agreed with them. Um, and we'll save that topic that he just typed for another day because that one's going to cause a lot of, we're, we're going to have a lot of fun with that one. Um, I'll I mean, give y'all a hint, gives, though. Karen's. It gives us, oh God! <laughs> I mean, it just gives us more ideas to come back, talk, just kind of BS for a bit. So, speaking of apologies and asking for forgiveness, Gray, I'm sorry, but we're gonna have to end the podcast. Uh, uh, I yeah, would I like know. to thank Calvin for joining us, and as well as Taylor for providing the providing us and with everybody else their insights and their stories of times past and hopefully not forgotten. But with that being said, Gray, next week we'll talk, I guess. Yep. If 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 we if we can decide on a set set schedule. <laughs> yeah. All right. Peace, everyone. You'll have a good night. All right. All right. Thank you for having me.